following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. We started talking about us as a house of worship and a house of prayer that we are priests of God. So touch two or three people, tell them, remember, you're a priest of the Lord. Tell them, you're a priest of the Lord. For us to, for us to fully enter into, uh, and by the way, welcome all those online who didn't set your clocks. Uh, we're glad you're tuned in as well. Uh, I almost missed it myself. So the... Uh, the concept of us being a house of worship, house of prayer, is we have to step into our individual priesthood. Yes. We talked about that. That You'll notice we started talk, starting worship and not having it open to the service. We invited you a couple weeks ago for some of you to come down front and worship. By the way, that invitation is still open. Uh, we know it might get a little messy for a while. The songs may be a little different. By the way, the song, first song they sang today, they wrote. Yes, they wrote two weeks ago in a, in, in a house of light. They wrote that song from Psalm 34. And so what's happening is we're entering into another realm. And for us to enter into that realm, you and I have to step into our realm uh, that God's provided for us as priests of the Lord. 1 Peter 2.9, we looked at it, it says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Somebody shout priesthood. priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I looked up that word peculiar. You know what it means? Uncommon. You are an uncommon people. Why? Because you've been given by your priesthood access to God, heaven, and heaven has access to you. That's not common. And so priesthood, we are an uncommon people because we are a royal priesthood. We have access to God, and God has access to us. Touch your neighbor say, it's time to step fully into that in Jesus' name. An uncommon people. Now, I had an experience recently, a prophetic experience, and the Lord's kind of uh, helped us about a year ago. I preached to you, maybe you'll go back and revisit this message about the doors and the Revelation 3.8 door, the Revelation uh, 3.20 door, and the Revelation 4.1 door, how we can enter into our heavenly realm. And so hopefully you're still praying that way. Each morning, Revelation 3.8, the door that's already been opened. Revelation 3.20, the door you open. Revelation 4.1, the, the door the Spirit opens. And so I've been praying along those lines. And uh, right after I, started, I had that revelation, I had an experience with the Word of God. And... Uh, I, I prayed and I went through these doors and all of a sudden I found myself in a heavenly realm. And in this heavenly realm, an angel met me and said, you've got to change clothes if you're going to walk here. And took me over to a room and gave me a new outfit. And said, this is your outfit that you have to wear to walk here. And, you know... I. Just had this experience, and all of a sudden, I knew Zechariah 3. I just knew Zechariah 3. Now, if it had been John 3, 16 or, you know, something like that, but 
I'm not a, you know, I'm normally not a big Zechariah man or a Haggai or, you know, so if the Spirit says Zechariah, I knew it had to be the Lord. So now I have this experience where an angel meets me in a heavenly place and says, you got to have new clothes. And soon as I had that experience, I knew I should read Zechariah 3. So here's Zechariah 3. Zechariah 3, 1 through 7. Let me turn here quickly. I think I've got it for you. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him and said, Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. And they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by the, the coming branch, which is Jesus. And then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you, if you will walk in my ways and you will keep my commandment, then you will judge my house, and likewise you will have charge of my courts, and I will give you access to places to walk among these who stand here in heaven. So I just had the experience in heaven, and now I read about it in the Bible. I don't know about you, but I love that kind of revelation. So I've had the experience in heaven. I go to heaven. I'm met by an angel who gives me new clothes, who says, these are your clothes that gives you access to walk among here. And I knew that God was talking to me from Zechariah, and I knew exactly what the Lord was saying. Here's why most of us don't fulfill our priestly ministry. Because we believe the accusations of Satan. Most of us never step into our heavenly realm. Never step into our priestly ministry. Never freely fully worship God. And never freely fully minister for the Lord. Because we believe the accusations of Satan. Because the enemy is continually trying to, act, trying to uh, accuse you and I. To stop us from moving and flowing in our priestly ministry. That's why the Lord came to me and said, Ken, if you're going to live up here, you're going to have to change your clothes. So I want to talk to you for 15 minutes about these clothes. And I believe it will help us move forward. Number one, when you look at the priestly garments, there was three items. A turban, a robe, and underwear. And they were all made of linen. And the first was a turban, I believe, that speaks of the mind of Christ. This is found in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. But it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Touch your neighbor, say, God has great plans for you. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Somebody shout, spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world. But the Spirit which is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man 
does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. One main thing that keeps us from functioning in our priesthood calling is human reasoning. We try to figure everything out in our natural minds. And if it doesn't line up with our human reasoning, we discard it as foolishness. That's why you've got to listen to what the Spirit's saying on the inside, not what your mind is telling you. If you keep living up here, I promise you, you will never obey God because it says that the, the, this mind, the fleshly mind, is the enemy of God and it cannot obey Him. So you got to get out of here and get down in here if you want to be a priest. You got to get out of your natural reasoning mind and get down in your spirit. That's why I like to tell people if you can ever get your hands above your reasoning, then God can break you through. That's why lifting hands is so important. It's because somehow your hands get above your reasoning. And you get up in this place. But isn't it interesting that, that most. People in churches today across America even have a difficult time. There are actually some churches who will come and put them down for you if you put them up. Because we live with such human reasoning. And we want to call it all kind of names like conservative and dignity. And, and uh, order. Let's call it what it is. Pride. That's what it is. It's pride. Because we don't, we, we, don't want to, we don't want to move out of our spirit afraid of what people will think of us. Well, if you're going to live in this realm I'm talking to you about, you've got to get out of here and you've got to get down in here. And it may seem foolish to you. I mean, the first time I heard something from in here, it was foolish. The first time I heard that I was supposed to give money away when I was broke, that's foolish you know, the first time I heard that I was going to speak in tongues, foolish. First time that, you know, that, I, that I lifted my hands in church and really went after the Lord, I felt very foolish in the very beginning stages because it was absolutely contrary to my human mind. I sat right here on the front row one time after we'd started this church, and we'd, we'd gotten moving pretty good, and, but we started attracting a lot of pe different people from different uh, aspects of culture from our society, and so I purposely toned things down a bit because I didn't want to, you know, in, intentionally offend anybody, and so I'm sitting on the front row, I'll never forget it, and I'm sitting there, and I was, you know, we were having a nice church service that day, but man, I was, want, I was wanting God to move. And I said, God, I really want you to move. He said, then run. <laughs> and it wasn't a running moment, you know. It, it was just a nice, normal service. And I thought, well, Bev will, Bev will fix me. And so I, you know, she'll tell me not to run. I said, Bev, I felt like the Lord told me something funny. Like, if I wanted to move, I'm, I should run. I thought she was going to say, oh, don't do that. She's like, boy, you better run then if that's what... <laughs> I fought it and fought it off and fought it off and 
Because it wasn't emotional, because it, it wasn't an emotional service. It was kind of dry. And right when I was going to transition to take the mic, I couldn't stand it more, so I just took off running. It was supernatural because I did most of it with my eyes closed because I, didn't want, I just was afraid to look at anybody. Finally made a loop around. When I got back, I took the mic to say something. And as soon as I did, the power of God hit me, knocked me flat on my back. Next thing I know, I heard people weeping, crying, falling out in the Holy Ghost. People were getting delivered. People were getting healed. The Holy Spirit said to me, make up your mind now. Do you want to be popular or powerful? Go ahead, make it up. I think Holy Spirit's saying that to somebody today. You want to be popular or you want to be powerful? Go ahead and make up your mind today. We got to get the mind of Christ. And once you get in this and get out of here, then you can function as a priest. That's what you got to have to walk up in this realm. That's why my old friend Bob Jones said he loves praise because he said, in praise, I lose my mind. And I say things that I never would have said. And I do things that I never would have done because I get out. Praise gets me out of here. Sometimes we get to praising God good in here. I just start, I, I saw a video of myself the other day. It was so foolish. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was just like, I mean, that's not a, my normal go-to move, you know, but I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I must have just been feeling. You get out of here. And you get in here, now you start hearing God, moving with God, God starts moving in your life. Go ahead and touch your neighbor on your head and say, just go and get out of here today. Come on, just go ahead and get out of here and put your turban on. Put your turban on. Let's move quick. Second piece of garment, he said, if you're going to get up here and live with the Lord, you got to have a robe. The angel put a robe on me. It's called the robe of righteousness. Very powerful. I could teach for an hour on it. I don't have time to teach today. There's a lot in this. It actually says it's a seamless robe. There's no sewing in it. It's a seamless robe. It's very, very powerful when you begin to look at that, how righteousness is imparted to us, not patched on us. Here's the simple truth about righteousness that most people still don't have. Look at Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift, somebody shout gift, yeah. the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Righteousness is not a command, it's a gift. But most of us still aren't functioning in that because we feel like we somehow still have something to do through our behavior in obtaining God's righteousness and it traps us that Satan accusing you of your unrighteousness because, granted, you and I don't do righteous things all the time. You may have kept nine, but you didn't keep ten. Right? I mean, there's nobody here today that didn't that spit this whole last week without sin. Nobody, not one in here, not one sinless among you today. If you are, you're at the wrong church and you're messing us up. There's, there's, not, there's not one here 
that, that, that got by this week without one misstep, one wrong attitude, said something you shouldn't have said, thought something you shouldn't have thought, did something you shouldn't have done. But thank God, your righteousness is not dependent on what you do. It's on who you are, and you've been robed with a robe of righteousness. Believe it. Receive it. And once you begin to realize this, let me, I don't have the scripture written down, but let me, it's important. Let me read Isaiah 61 while we're putting these clothes on. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, sent me to repair those, the things that are, that, are, that are broken, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called righteousness. What happens? Every time I praise God with you publicly, I'm reminded of my righteousness. I come in with a spirit of heaviness because of my behavior. That's ordinary. But when I get in praise with you and I get in worship with you and we start singing of the goodness of God and the greatness of a God and the glory of God, now what happens? I exchange my thoughts for the past of my behaviors, my missteps, and I'm reminded, wait a minute, Kent, you're not righteous because of what you did. You're righteous because of what he did. And I tell off a spirit of heaviness and I put on my, come on somebody, I put on my garments of praise and righteousness. Touch your neighbor and say, time to change clothes. Tell them, it's time to change clothes. So you got a turban on your head, right? You got a robe of righteousness. This is what we wear as priests. And this is interesting. And we got holy underwear. Come on, somebody. Don't you love that? Y'all didn't know that about the priest, did you? See, you got to read that Bible. Holy turban, holy robe, and holy underwear. This is what they wore. Very powerful. Ezekiel 44, 18. They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads. We've talked about that. But they also shall have linen underwear on their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything that causes sweat. Now this is very powerful when you begin to look. There's, there's so many truths in this. Number one, God wanted them clothed because they wore a robe. And when they, would be, when they would enter the Holy of Holies and do their work in the tabernacle, there were moments of their ministry bent over and doing different things that they would have exposed themselves which in that culture is the most shameful experience known to ever have yourself exposed. That's why if you remember, it says even Noah's son exposed his nakedness and was cursed. It was a dreadful thing to expose someone's nakedness or to be exposed. And so God gave them holy undergarments so that their nakedness would not be exposed. See, some of us need to get rid of this false religion. My God is not a God who delights in exposing people. My God is a God who delights in covering people. Come on, somebody. 
The God we serve is not a God who likes to expose people. He's a God who covers people. That's why it says in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned, they were naked and ashamed and he immediately killed an animal and put clothes on them. Because our God is a God who covers. So God is a covering God. So first of all, it speaks of our nakedness that God is continually covering for us. Our vulnerable parts, our vulnerabilities. Because not only is everybody in here make, get, makes, makes wrong decisions and gets things wrong, everybody in here has a weakness. Now my weakness isn't your weakness and your weakness isn't my weakness, but we all have them. You're human, but you're holy. You're a person, but you're a priest. And when you begin to realize this, that God even covers your humanity and your weakness. Paul the Apostle said he sought the Lord about a weakness he had. He actually called it a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh. And even if you got something you've just been praying about for years for God to fix and he just ain't got it fixed for you yet, that could be a weakness. And it's part of your character and part of your nature. And I don't know if you'll have to live with it forever, but God told Paul... He said, listen, Paul, Paul said, I saw the Lord three times about it. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, then you are actually strong. Now, when I'm talking about weaknesses, I'm talk, not talking about character, morality, to where you can just live any life you want to. I'm talking about you realize if it not for God's grace in that area of your life, you would surely fall. I'll be back over here in a minute. I said, what happens in that area of weakness, you realize if God should ever take his hand off that area of your life and not cover you by his grace, you have no willpower to sustain that in your own strength. And I think sometimes God just leaves you a little something there to make you so dependent and say, God, if I should ever get away from your goodness and away from your grace and your hand ever get off my life, surely I would be destroyed because of this weakness. But thank God your grace is sufficient in my life. Can anybody just thank God a minute for his grace is sufficient in your life? Says Jesus, Moses came with truth. Jesus came with grace. Actually, it says grace for grace. Grace for grace. Double portion of grace. One of those words is a noun, and one of them's a verb. One of those, it's what's covering you, and the other one's what's working on you. See, here's what I love about God. God's an artisan. And he doesn't expose his work till it's finished. So he keeps you covered by grace while he's up under you working by grace. I'll never forget the, one of the first times I experienced this. I was in South Africa. There were some high preachers, like high preachers. You know, not I me, mean, not like high, <laughs> high preachers. Like, I'm sorry, it came out funny. Like they were high, no. high authority preachers. And we were, 
we were headed to a crusade, big 100,000 people's crusade. And I was late to get to the van. Benny was in the van with all these really influential pastors of South Africa. Now I'm from Alabama, you know. And so I was late and went running out late and took a leap in the van. And when I did, I misstepped, and that edge of that van caught me. Bam! I mean, almost knocked me out, and before I knew it, I said, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm from Alabama. <laughs> and oh, my God, these pastors were like, Benny didn't miss a beat. He said, brethren, he's really a very nice young man. I promise you he is. <laughs> Benny covering me, right? Now, did that make me unfit to be in the van? Did that make me unfit? No. One lapse of mistake, one lapse, because God's grace is covering me while God's grace is working. Come on, somebody. And so now we begin to understand better God's garments for our lives. We all say things. We all make mistakes. But what happens is most of us, when we do that, we think, well, we're disqualified. It runs us away from the call of God. No. It is what it is. I actually preached this message. I just preached you or that part of it about jumping in the van in Germany. They say Scheiser. If you say it in German, maybe it's not cussing. I'll never forget, I preached that, that little, tell that little story, preach about grace. The pastor's wife comes up to me. She goes, can I speak with you? I said, sure. She says, you know, before I saved, before I accept Jesus, I say shit. <laughs> you know, in my personal life, I cut finger, I slam finger in drawer, I say shit. She said, but after I saved, I know not say shit anymore. She said, but you know, I feel very phony because I don't say shit. After your message, I once again say shit in my personal life. So I'm not saying to receive that importation today. I'm just saying, thank God that he's got grace for grace. Come on. He's got grace for grace, and he covers our nakedness. Here's where we get off. If God's covering you, why are you exposing others? This is where we get off. God's covering you. God's covering me. Why should we be exposing others? God showed us a vision when we first started this church of a mercy seat. This is all about the priesthood. And it says when they would come to the mercy seat, there were worshiping coverers. So they would worship with one, on one side and cover the other. And the Lord showed us that if we would be worshiping coverers, 
if we would worship God with open arms and cover our brothers and sisters, then we would create a mercy seat where God's presence would always be here. There's, sin will not drive God's presence from us. For where sin is, grace does much more abound. What sends God's presence away from churches is not sin, it's judgment. When we start judging others, that's what we mess up. So we got a turban, the mind of Christ. We got a robe, the righteousness of Christ. We got holy underwear, the grace of Christ. Covering our weaknesses. And it says don't wear anything that causes sweat. Because sweat was a sign of the curse. So if you go look back and look at Genesis, there was no sweat in the garden until the curse came. That's why it says God met with them in the cool of the day. There was no sweat in the garden. The curse brought sweat, according to Genesis 3, where it says from this point forward, you will sweat from your brow, tilling bread from the ground and labor under a curse. Isn't it interesting that in Luke 22... It says Jesus in the garden. So sweat came into a garden and brought a curse. Now Jesus is in a garden. And it says he became so stressed and so vexed and so overwhelmed that he sweat drops of blood. And I believe it was in that moment the curse was broken. And that now no longer do we have to labor in striving to please God through the sweat of our brow, but we do it by the Holy Spirit where there is no labor and there is no sweat. Galatians 3 says, Jesus has removed the curse of the law for cursed is he who hung on a tree. See, Dan said this so powerfully to me this week, he brought me in his office. He said, Ken, I had a revelation. I said, what was it? He said, the veil was three inches thick. That's how thick the veil was that separated the Holy of Holies. And it was one solid piece. So it's three inches thick, one solid piece. And the priest, to get in there, in one hand had to have blood, and the other hand had to have a censer. And they couldn't touch the ground. And Dan asked me, how did he get through the veil? How did he get through the veil? There was only one way, by the Spirit. He had to be translated because there is no place for human work or human reasoning within the veil. No human effort will allow you to get in. Only God's grace by his Spirit can bring you we can worship, we can praise, and we can get to some point, but at one point, all of our efforts stop. Then the Spirit comes and takes us into the place He's wanting to take us that. Come on, somebody. Touch your labor and say, ain't no sweat. Ain't no sweat. So the outer court was work. The holy place was works. But by the time He got to ready to enter in, there was nothing, no works allowed in the Holy of Holies.
That's why it says when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent from top to bottom from the inside out. It wasn't me and you getting in, it was God getting out. Now, you and I, as priests of God, clothed with our vestal garments, have access to God 24-7, 365 days a week. You and I have divine access to God anywhere, anytime, for us to have access to God and God have access to us through the revelation of the garments that he's given us. Psalm 133, I love this. Here's where we wind up. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For it's like precious oil upon the beard, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I believe God's saying how good and pleasant it is for the priestly ministers to dwell together in unity. Not in agreement, that doesn't mean we all agree. It's just with one focus, one purpose. That's Him, His presence. As we do, it says there's going to get a blessing on us that's going to come down the head, our high priest, Jesus Christ, onto His garment, onto His beard, even onto our garments. And there, God is commanding a blessing. We're not backing off, we're not stopping. We're going to see the glory of God. That's why we're here. We're going to see the glory of God manifested in our midst. That's why we're kept saying in that prophecy, if you be willing, if you be willing to establish this place as a house of prayer and a house of worship, then you will see my glory manifested in a new and a powerful way. And I will visit you in a new way. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.